0: Well, gentlemen, welcome back. Hello, hello. I hope your week is going fantastic. I know that I've had a bit of an up and down week. It's been black, it's been white, it's been light, it's been dark, it's been good, and it's been bad. But uh, here we are. Absolutely. We got a packed show today. We got a lot of stuff to go through. I'm going to be talking rock and roll. I think Nick's going to be talking about some royalties and getting paid in the streaming age. You're bearing the lead, bro. (laughs) And (laughs) we're going to be talking about the the passing of yet another rock icon. But yeah, so my week last week was a little bit crazy. But when I heard the news that one of my favorite bands, The Darkness, had just released a new album, all of a sudden my week just turned around. So uh, it's my pick for the first slot this week and so i thought i would play the title track off of their new album it's called easter is cancelled And or it, roll on that one, man. Hey, it made, it made Greg smile. So you know what? Did its job. Did its <laughs> Mission job. Mission accomplished. Yeah. Boom. Uh, yeah. The rest of that should song, we, hey, man. Oh, what?
1: Should we introduce ourselves? You want to introduce? Uh, should we introduce ourselves?
0: We shall. We shall. But before I do that, I, oh, okay. I just, the, right. they started chanting there when the song was, was fading out. The chant on that is, peace. Three, four, one, two, on earth. Do, 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 peace. <laughs> fucking hilarious. I love it. Anyway. They have a positive message. (laughs) Indeed. Uh, That was the darkness, but you are listening to You Should Check It Out. My name is Jay. I'm Nick. And I'm Greg.
2: (laughs) Ah. Here we are. Hey
0: now. Hey Hey. Hey now. Hey Hey now. Uh, So glad to be back. This is episode 10 of You Should Check It Out. Can you believe it, guys? We made double digits.
1: (laughs) We have reached 10.
0: Yeah, and our sponsors haven't backed out on us yet? No. No, luckily so good. they haven't backed into us yet, either. Right, but yeah. I don't know. I They're think that's at this point. That legal zoom yeah. ad was pretty solid. I, I know. I thought we were going to get some sponsorships from that. Yeah, man. So uh, the darkness new album Easter is canceled, huh? Easter is Easter is canceled. I love it. Is a what's the, is this a
1: concept album? What's the deal with this thing?
0: <laughs> well, it's a long story. Um, you know, the darkness. I, I assume most people are familiar with them. They had. Their big hit in 2003, I believe, in a thing called Love, and that was, you know, a lot of people wrote them off as a one-hit wonder band. That entire first album, Permission to Land, I wore the CD out. I that was one of my favorite albums back in the day, and still is. Great, he did rock Just that joint. Loud, pompous rock and roll, and I've yep. seen them uh, four or five times in concert. They never disappoint. They took. A bit of a hiatus, I think 2006, after the release of their second album, the band split up, and they didn't reconvene until 2012. And by then, the entire band, the, the members, were all everybody was sober and happy again. And But none of the energy has been lost. And their, their front man, Justin Hawkins, is just as crazy as ever. Last time I saw him. and In fact, I think, Greg, you were there with me.
2: 9.30? Yeah.
0: Was he wearing the uh, Union Jack... Unitard for that show?
2: I was I was really drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. man. I love um, I love those guys. You know. They they just um you know, some people write them off as a novelty band, but I really think there's more to them than that. They are a novelty band, but they're so they're really talented musicians and write really good songwriters and a lot of fun.
2: They're good at what they do for sure. I think there's definitely a lot of uh a lot of intended humor yeah. going into it. Yeah. You know, and it's I mean, it's it's almost like they're a parody of uh of a you know, extreme decadent, you know, over the top eighties yeah. band. Right. Right. Yeah. But but there is it's it's not it's an homage, it, you know, as much as it is a parody. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it is definitely what they do and it's what they're the best at. And uh you know, when you watch their videos, you know, they when they do a guitar solo, like they make the most obvious like over the top guitar faces, you yeah. know, and all that stuff. <laughs> you know, it's all it's all it's all part of their whole uh, aesthetic. Oh, right, and, right. Uh, and, and their their you know.
0: angle on it is basically that's how rock should be done. That's how the good rock was when they were growing up in the seventies and early eighties. They also take themselves seriously in that role, and they do. Yeah, it, I, it's not
1: I've never been able to find that line. Like, I can tell their self awareness there, but.
0: The, uh,
1: yeah, where where does that exist? Because they do take <laughs> themselves seriously.
0: They definitely do. And they generate a lot of strong opinions uh, uh, from musicians in particular, people who think they're just mm. you know, just having fun. But this new album, it's it's got to be my favorite, probably since their second album. Um, I think it's really strong. It's very straightforward. It's a lot of fun, and it's it's interesting because they have been promoting it and touting it as a concept album. And the whole concept, uh, as as uh, written in Billboard and all the other in- mainstream interviews that Justin's, Justin Hawkins, the lead singer, has done, is that the concept is that, you know, if you believe the multiple universes theory, that there's an infinite number of multiple universes that exist simultaneously, then it is possible that there is a universe out there that Jesus, when he was being crucified decided that he didn't want to be crucified and he was going to use his god powers to slay all the romans and jump off the cross. Huh. Uh-huh. And um
1: so it's like how do we make Jesus more rock and roll was probably the
0: question Justin <laughs> felt he needed to answer. I guess so, yeah. It sounds,
2: it sounds to me like they've been watching a lot of Rick and Morty. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but here's so here's the interesting thing. So they say that oh yeah, this is a whole concept album about not just that per- possible uni- uh, multiple universe, but also one where rock and roll never existed or one where rock and roll shouldn't exist or one where they just play ukuleles. So that's the... I was having trouble figuring out how a rock album could be made based on that concept, but when you actually list, sit down and listen to the album, I think it's pretty clear that that is all just a BS front. I, I, I honestly am convinced that that is just a trick to find out which album reviewers are actually listening to the entire album and which are just going and off that the was, press press release.
1: Do you think that was the, the impetus? I
0: really do. Justin has complained that he either... I haven't been able to officially verify this, but he either got divorced from his wife or they're now split up and separated. Mm-hmm. And the entire album is just... It vacillates between... I miss you so much. I don't know what I can do without your love. Um, I didn't know how much you meant to me until we're gone. And F you, get away from me. I'm going to go party and take my money and I hope you choke on it. So (laughs) the album is really just him being angry and upset and exploring his feelings about breaking up with his wife. Mm -hmm. There's definitely no real concept past that. So... I don't know. It's just my kind of crazy crackpot theory. It could be wrong. All right. Well, enough about that. If if you're having a down week, throw on the the new Darkness album. It's fantastic, and don't take yourself too seriously. But right on, Nick. Speaking yeah. of taking things too seriously, you shared an article about uh, Deezer and and streaming in uh, royalties in the age of streaming. So.
1: I did, I did, and I debated whether or not to bring this one up because I, I like thinking a lot of these things, but I don't know where the line is between interesting and just ridiculously nerding out <laughs> on ideas like this. But there was an article in um, in the Pitch, um, which is on Pitchfork, um, <laughs> called "Is There a Fairer Way to s- for Is There a Fairer Way for Streaming Services to Pay Artists?" Which is kind of a, a running topic in the music industry for the past five years or so, and it goes into this new service uh, called Deezer. That is trying to make a more user-centric model where, let's say you're a pay- you're a subscriber to Deezer um, and you've spent 25% of your month listening to I think the example they give is Zeppelin, then Zeppelin will get 25% of, of your subscription cost. Right,
0: and this is um, in this stands in contrast to say the Spotify model, um, which is
1: which is uh, everybody gets a cut of everything, depending upon the per- percentage of percentage of how much their track was listened to across the platform it's then broken up among artists and right. you know so and the point that in the article the point that it makes out of the gate is no matter how much you listen to a specific artist you know uh, it's pretty much most of your money's going to go to Post Malone at the end of the month because he's the one who won right. this month if you will. right right um I, these things always get me thinking about like what would be the fair way and i was also kind of thinking about was there ever a right way? Was the model with the relationship between the label and radio stations? Was that like a better way for artists to be compensated for, for their original material? Because where we are now kind of conflates the two, right? Yeah. You've got but it also adds the, the the free user issue, which is they're monetized, they are the product, the free user, the free listener, uh the advertising is the income and they don't actually have a clear as far as I can tell, they don't have a clear way that they distinguish how much of the cut that uh, the artist gets from the advertising dollars. Yeah. Um, But then there's also the paid subscribers. And so I I actually, part of me wanted to go on a long, long, long rant. The other part of me wanted to hear if you guys had any thoughts about it first.
0: Yeah, well, no, I I definitely want to hear the rant. I think it's, you know, as a guy who has a couple albums up on Spotify, I think my revenue for the past 6 years combined has been about 14 bucks. <laughs> not that not that my songs are getting a whole bunch of clicks, but you know, clearly it's not something I can do to you know, to make any real money in my life. And I think there's a lot of people in that in that boat who are much more successful than I am. So there's clearly something broken about the way the system is now. I think your point about was the system ever ever better? I think the bar was higher for people to get paid to make music In, yeah so I think mm-hmm. yes probably you know the I don't know the toad the wet sprockets of the world probably did better then than they would now mm-hmm. not to pick on them but just as an example but yeah, it's
1: random but good one um,
0: but now there's so many you know anybody literally me can put songs up mm-hmm. on Spotify how do they how do you divide that percentage I don't know I, I like what deezer proposes. But, you know, wh- the last thing the world needs is another streaming service right now. It's hard enough to get people to, to get interested in Spotify in the first place, and that seems to be one in Pandora that gets some traction. So
1: Yeah, I mean, I like the idea of having a service that, you know, aspires to be more toward to compensating artists. and Because then I do think there's, in some regards, a, spe- a, spe- a specific artist gets behind a platform and says, hey, guys, I, I think we should all go and listen to it over here. That is totally groundswell that will follow but but i I am kind of hung up on whether or not the model was ever right you're right because the music industry has always stunk at controlling their own means of of distribution right like they're terrible at it right so much so terrible And, and that's really what it comes down to was the model did it work back in the day when it didn't give you know um up and coming artists who didn't catch that one break i mean it is more democratic now anybody can get their music up onto a platform and share it but if you get a million listens and you're getting, you know, less than a thousand bucks. That just seems insane. Yeah. Um, I. I the, the one thing I, I don't think anybody's touched on that, that occurs to. Me that, that I was thinking about is if we've got a more democratic way of, of getting your music out there and the model was closer to fair, then it seems like first listens should actually get compensated more than subsequent listens, which has also been a big problem with gaming the system, right, where... A band will a band will tell you its think, audience. You
0: think first listens should get more than subsequent listens? I would actually almost think it's the opposite of that. But it's the balance of
1: keeping it so that artists can't game the system, or not even artists. That's not fair. But but there was that story of actually I think it was Wolfpack that they they got all their fan they put out an album of silence. Oh, of
0: silence, yeah.
1: <laughs> and they got all their fans to play it on loop. Right. While, when they went to sleep at night. Right. Right. And they made twenty thousand dollars. You know, over yep. the course of months. Um, okay. Which I I think that I think the ingenuity behind the concept is brilliant. Yeah. Um. And it's not even so much to combat that, but the, uh, the the reason I say that is when you would buy an album, you could then go listen to that album till your heart was content. Right. Your money was spent. Mm-hmm. Right. You've paid for the exchange, and you get to just listen to it as much or as little as you want to. So if that in and of itself was a fair way to compensate an artist, that that uh, I mean, I agree. I think when you think it through, it probably makes more sense to pay for people that come back and listen but if there's something there right if there's something in you know somebody giving that attract that first listen and, and actually having that be yeah I don't know I, I'm not saying I figured anything out I just uh no so it's, and it's, I, I don't want to do my full
0: rant but I'm just it, it's it's a tricky situation Greg do you got any feelings on this
2: um I know that um lately there's been um some musicians that have started to kind of unionize and, and protest for, like, a, more of a cut for not only just, like, original music that they're releasing, but also for, you know, being a, a session musician. And if, you know, for instance, like, you record the theme for, like, Handmaid's Tale, and then that gets streamed a whole bunch of times. Mm-hmm you know does how does that factor in the royalties um, concept yeah you know and so and so they're basically saying like well one approach is that you know we should get paid more upfront, you know and then the other approach is we should get be, we should be paid you know per stream so it's very complicated um it's it's seemingly very unfair right now but i think that we have to remember to take the good with the bad and just you know we can't forget the fact that, like now, anyone can hear anybody, you know. And um, as as things kind of get reshuffled, um, hopefully they'll, you know, they'll lean towards the artist in a in a good way. So, you know, a band like Wolfpack, which I'm sure we'll get to talk about in a in a later episode more in depth, but you know, they sort of found their own way of of attracting fans and kind of breaking the breaking the rules of the system and yeah. making it work for themselves. So I think that we're gonna have to just keep fighting and we're gonna have to keep, you know, and, just exploring uh, different options. I never heard of Deezer until you just mentioned it, Nick. And I I mean it, it makes sense because, you know, there'll be a week where I'm on streaming services and I'm only listening to one or two artists. Right. Mm-hmm. And it would be I would I would feel good knowing that they're being compensated for um you know, you for the time listening. that yeah. I spent. Yeah. So um well, and the I don't other know. thing that's the other like thing that's here. missing
1: I think is that is that we forget how quickly it, the idea of paying for music just went away? Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean that that changed everything. Like so, that's yeah. still being combated because it feels. I mean, it's not like as far as I know, Spotify is not raking it in, right? Um, like they're not. I don't know, man. No, no.
2: I think
0: uh, really? I'm pretty sure they yeah. are. <laughs> he's they yeah. a lot of those licensing deals in place now, um, and I, I think they're doing pretty well for themselves.
2: Yeah, that I mean, that's why Tool was so resistant to put their stuff up on streaming. And then why they, why they were able to is because they have their own label, I believe. Right. Zoo. And so like when, when Spotify, um, bought, uh, the rights to like all of the universal catalogs and all of the Sony catalogs, like if you were a band on those labels or the subsidiary labels, you just automatically got thrown up there on Spotify. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, I you know, think those kind of
0: deals, you know, I don't know the longevity of them, but I think they might come back to haunt the music industry, you know, kind of in the same way that early publishing deals really screwed artists out of, you know, royalties. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: but um, I will say, though, um, just, just not to cut you off, Jay, but real quick uh, that I knew I do know some people who's uh, I know someone whose dad was a pretty well-known jazz artist and he's like, you know, like, we get checks from Spotify, and they're yearly, you know, and they're not bad. Like, I pay a lot of bills with those Spotify checks, and it's not someone who is, like, super-duper famous. Right. And, it's someone who's known, but not, you And you not, have to weigh you know, that
0: against, like, what would they, like, if we were still in 1995, and all you could sell is CDs in stores, you know, would that match that same amount? Is it, you know, the fact and that he can be heard by so to, many to a
2: smaller, smaller people? Yeah. yeah, to a smaller right. base. Right, you know, he's worldwide. It's, it, you have sense. a smaller, it, we have a much wider net right. now, so I think we just can't lose sight of that. But I think that we do need to keep exploring, and hopefully as the consumers will gravitate towards the things that are fairly compensate the artists, because we're not there right now. Right, right. You know? And it's going to be interesting um, to
0: see the way it works out, because, Nick, you had mentioned this before, but, you know, if the incentive isn't there for for People to invest a whole bunch of money into making yeah. new studio recordings, and it sounds like the way right. that most what artists happens. are making big money nowadays is, is live tours. You know, what is the future of the album? You know, is it still going to be something that people strive for for artistic success? I, I'm not sure. It's going to be interesting. To see well, how does it, goes it
1: does it does it make sense financially for you to spend the time and resources putting all that time and energy into a studio album when you know if you spent a fraction of that and just released every, you know, your best of the best two live shows you did in a year, right. um, which was also made up of your new music. I mean, that would stink.
2: Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind just chipping in one last thing, sure. which is uh, hearing a quote from actually the singer from the band Slipknot.
0: Nice.
2: This ah. guy, Corey Taylor. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, Look, man, I'm tired of being on the road, but it's the only way I can support my family. Like, yeah. wow. this is ridiculous. Like, we, you know, we have so many fans all over the world. You know, and I mean Slipknot's a massive production. I don't even know how much money they're making on the road. You know, because cause it's like a big whole thing. Yeah. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean they're they're selling the arenas out, but like you know, when you tally up all the expenses, and then you split it into however many people are in that band. Because there's like nine guys right. in that band. It's like it's yep. like a metal Wu Tang Clan. Those masks don't pay for themselves. Mm-mm. No, and they're constantly updating. And to, to their credit, I'm not even the world. I'm not the world's biggest Slipknot fan by any means. They built this like really good business model, it seems. But then you hear the guy, you know. I mean, it, it, they they keep updating the masks. They get yeah. they keep getting cooler and cooler. And <laughs> now like a production, Yikes, co- they have like a production yeah. team behind their shows, really? right? I mean, that can not cheap. Yeah. Oh man, I've seen them live. At, at, like, but I saw them like, I mean, all, eighteen years ago, um, <laughs> well, like two thousand one. I saw them live. It was ridiculous, man. Yeah. It was un- it was unbelievable. So it's just amazing that they even they're bitching about it.
0: Yeah. Well, and speaking of uh, incredible live drummers and drum routines, um, who said that? If we can move on, and we're gonna skip Nick's uh, music pick for just a bit, but um, I know I, for one, was saddened by the hearing of the passing of one Mister Ginger Baker. Uh, last week and so uh, Greg I think you had a bit of a retrospective and and some comments and we got some music music oh yeah
2: no I mean you know I know that we all um, are fans of Ginger Baker who passed away at 80 um, this last week 80 years old he was known as a wild man (laughs) someone who really did not fit into any particular molds Um, if you've ever seen him, you probably know what I'm talking about. Just looking at him, um, he's been described as the devil, <laughs> um, you know, by Chad Smith from the Chili Peppers, called him the devil, <laughs> and uh, and you can see it because he's just got he's just he looks like a man on fire, yeah, seriously. Um, Which is
1: funny because Chad Smith's a poor man's Will Ferrell, so it's
2: <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I actually. Um, was inspired to rewatch this amazing documentary that um, if you haven't seen, it's actually on Netflix called Beware of Mr. Baker. Oh God, I love it! Um, I love it. Which is so good, and um, I don't know if we should maybe play some of the some of the cuts that um, yeah, that he yeah. did throughout his career, and maybe like you know we, he was in the the band Cream, right? Which you know if you if you, you must know about Cream. I mean, if you don't, you know, you have to Google them or something. But it's Eric Clapton, Jack Bruce, and Ginger Baker. Yeah. One of the most, you know, prolific and uh, influential rock groups of all time. Very the short-lived, Ultimate too. power trio. Very short-lived. Two years in their career. You'll find that th- that was kind of a pattern in Ginger Baker's career, as it turns out, that his bands just did not last very long. Uh-huh. Mostly because of his he's poor the temperament. <laughs> and, and, well, he was... a I mean, his ki- you ask his kids. They might say the same <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, seriously. Uh, you know? Um, he was a fiery a f- dude. F- yeah, so an amazing, you know, I think he influenced a generation of drummers, but influenced uh, nobody as a person. <laughs> <Aww>.
0: and, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of
2: hard placing Cream
0: in con- Like, if you don't know the context of what was going on in the music landscape when Cream was around, it, it's kind of hard to see how revolutionary they were. If that makes any yeah. sense, because the songs seem pretty simple, and you don't think they're, but they they were really proto heavy metal. It was like them, Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, in my opinion, you know, form the basis well, I, of, I mean, of hard rock and and metal going forward.
1: And he was he was one of like the first rock star like breakout drummers that's for sure i mean yeah. in his own in his own right ginger baker was yeah was a, was hey. a be- he was a monster like he was a beast of, yeah. like everybody wanted to get baker on their recording yeah. on their tracks the track so the,
0: and, the yeah. name cream is taken from they're the cream of the british musical yeah prop. yep do you want to spend do you want yeah, do you yeah. yeah let's, let's shut up and let's play something uh this is a song that most people are familiar with but got some great drumming on it it's called white room
2: So yeah, man, White Room. Starts out with a 5-4 Bolero Yeah. that Baker was like, it makes the soul, you know? <laughs> but then he, but you know, but Jack Bruce was like, I wrote it, and he's like, Ginger's like, no way. He, he wanted it in four, mm-hmm. you know? Jack Bruce wanted it in four. He's like, I wanted it in five, and it's in five. So you can see, like, that was a source of many disagreements that he had mm-hmm. with the singer and bassist Jack Bruce. Yeah. But, you know, I got to take Ginger's side on that one because I believe that the drummer would would be the one to come up with that. It It does make it. And, um, you know, there's a lot of drama in Ginger's drumming. And he eventually, you know, when Cream couldn't go on after their two-year career, (laughs) which, by the way, when, when they would play, Ginger requested, or not requested, but demanded a case of beer two black hookers and a limousine, or he wouldn't play. Um, <laughs> God. And uh, which just to me is so baller. I mean, come on. It's, fu- so it's just awesome. so
0: funny because, you know, a lot of people think when they think of, of cream, they think of Eric Clapton because of, you know, the massive career that he's had since then. But really Clapton was very young when cream was g- yeah. going on. It was, you know, he was in his early twenties and he yeah. didn't really, he wasn't a leader. Yet. He didn't bring the ego to the, to the party. Yeah, yet. no, and not, that, not that, right, that band yeah. was all Ginger Baker and Jack Bruce, really. And uh, right. you see them, you know, you watch their farewell concert at the Royal Albert Hall. It's just an incredible band. It's just just so cool. So freewheeling uh-huh. and hard-hitting. And, yeah. yeah.
2: But so after, he, after the, the stuff with Cream, he decided to um, go to Africa. And when he, when he got to Lagos, Nigeria... He met a uh, fella by the name of Fela, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Fela, Kuti, Fela Kuti, who, if you guys don't know, is like one of the most, uh, you know, amazing uh, musicians in the la- in the last century. And um, he invented a style of music known as Afrobeat that is now being heavily drawn upon mm-hmm. by a lot of different oh, yeah. bands. And um, you know, but Ginger was there right, right as it was popping off. Yep. And so they made a record together, and if you want to spin that, Jay, that will give you an idea of what he had going on when he went to Africa.
0: Absolutely, yeah. This is taken from a live album, and the track is called Let's Start. One, two, three.
2: can out. i play a song
1: guys can i please play a song
2: <laughs> i was just going to jump in real quick <laughs> and say that you had your bit no, nick if you're going to go <laughs> on uh, no, i'll find I, I, another I, riff I, about bitcoin um
0: no. no yeah right
2: okay no, no just, I just, <laughs> just to just to just to finish up on the africa african bit yeah. is that uh, tony allen the drummer for fail band said um no uh, no other westerner understands the african beat better than ginger really yeah yeah. So there's a lot we could say about him, but yeah. make, you take the floor is yours.
1: I wanted to play. Uh, yeah, uh, can we go out to another Gingerbreaker song? The song? Um, there's a live album he did where he had Elvin Jones with him I don't have a lot of context or stories unfortunately but I, I do enjoy
2: this album I could just I, I could just say that he he was he considered himself the greatest jazz drummer of his generation <laughs> more than a rock drummer he did, he didn't really yeah. part, part did. of what, yeah. part of why he this is why he invited these guys he did a, a, a drum battles with Alvin Jones Art Blakey Phil Seaman and uh, Max Roach maybe he never mm-hmm. did a battle with Max Roach but he ended up being friends with him. But that's where this comes from, I believe. <clears throat> yeah. Right on.
1: Yeah. So, it's Drum Battles. This is called Do What You Like, and it's live from 1971. And I think, I think we, are we going to go
0: out on this one? Yeah. I got to say goodbye to everybody, though, first. It would be a Should little say bit goodbye? Rude say to just... goodbye.
1: Go ahead and say goodbye.
0: Yeah. Bye, everybody. We'll see you next week. <sighs> see you, guys. <laughs> Bye. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you, guys. Uh, have a great week. Uh, this is Do What You Like. Bye, Ginger. See you.